0: This episode of Bush Breakaway is brought to you by the Rangers Reddit Meetup. Our friend Dan hosts a meetup every year. Unfortunately, I cannot be there this year, but Greg will be going. And it is a suite at MSG versus the Oilers on October 13th. If you're interested, uh, there is information on Reddit, the Rangers Reddit, or you can post in our Ra- Rangers Reddit thread tomorrow, and uh, we'll point you in the right direction. Tickets are on sale now. Go check that out. And, of course, always our Patreon subscribers love every single one of you. Released a special treat episode this week for all Patreon subscribers. Okay, here we go. Hey, Bushwickwick fans, welcome to the Week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I am here with my co-host, as always, Greg Kaplan. And Greg, say hello. Hey buddy, what's up, man? Huge r- Rangers, they're back, man. Traverse City, the kids are... Oh, it's a shit show. Oh, it's really bad.
1: Oh, uh, we'll bring we'll bring. How about this? We'll bring Drew on next week, and we'll talk Traverse City because oh. obviously you will know more about it than we do.
0: Good idea, because uh, I watched some of the highlights. Like I was I was being a gift boy, going through the gifts, and and my takeaways from reading some articles are Heedle uh, looks okay his defense he looks better
1: than okay from what I've read his defense
0: he looks great defensively hasn't got a lot of opportunities uh, and everything else has been a shit show with the exception of Brett Howden I guess you can yeah. make a, a case for Hayek also but we'll bring Drew on and we'll you uh, know, I
1: just I think the most I, I don't even know if it's fair to say the most important thing from this because I don't even know if there's really anything you can kind of really gain from watching these games they're they're not even – they're glorified scrimmages, but they're not even highly coached glorified scrimmages. Like it's not like Quinn's there doing all this for them. They're just – they're kind of just not even – they're not even running a system. They're just out there skating and trying to see if their talent can do what it can do. Uh, but if, if we were to gain anything from this, I am highly intrigued by Hayek playing on the right side. And if Hayek is going to make the Rangers out of training camp, it's going to be because he's proven that he can play on the right side.
0: I, well, that's one of our desperate needs as a team.
1: Yeah, right Right now, if the season started today, it's Shattenkirk, Pionk, and D'Angelo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I still think Shattenkirk and D'Angelo make this team. most. I, I just don't see a scenario where D'Angelo doesn't, just because we need to know what he is. And the only way you're going to find out what he is at the NHL level play is playing at the NHL play him, level. boy, play him. But it's not the end of the world if Pionk goes back to Hartford for – a couple months, and it's not the end of the world if Hayek forces his way into the top three right-handed defensemen. No, I, so I wouldn't I'm, hate that. I, it's yeah, just, it, I, it's not. It's not even a slight to Pionk to say you need a little bit more seasoning. If 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 Hayek plays well on the right side and he earns his reps, sure. I don't think Pionk is this highly vaunted prospect that deserves automatic inclusion in the Rangers lineup. I want Pionk to be good. I think he will be good, but in the long in the long run. Hayek's a little bit more in point to the Rangers' future.
0: Uh, yeah. I, uh, and my other takeaway from this was, uh, man, our winger depth, not great. <laughs> not great. Uh, but that, well, we'll go over that next week.
1: Let's talk yeah, about I, – I, I, Well, before we get to okay. what we're about to get to, I, I still like Meskin and I still like Lindquist. And Gettinger and Ronning will definitely be interesting. I don't think they're either is going to make a major impact on the Rangers next season. But I think both Meskin and Lindquist have a chance to play significant minutes for the Rangers this coming year.
0: Do you think Liquis can make the team?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I I I think that final winger spot is wide open on the fourth line.
0: Uh, I just feel like there's no chance they ever bring him up. Uh, Well, you're saying at some point, maybe later in the season, after some trades have happened, or you're you're saying out of camp. Out of camp. Wow. The
1: the Rangers only have eleven forwards right now that you can say, even uh, yeah, they have eleven. They have eleven. They they have eight of nine wingers. I still don't think Cody McLeod is guaranteed a spot in this team. I don't think Matt Bolesky is guaranteed a spot in this team. I think the Rangers would love it if uh, Ville Meskinen or Michael Lindquist earned a role on the fourth line wing.
0: It's going to have, they'd be to by that. I think the only way that happens is if they have absolutely unreal performances. And that's the. I don't
1: even. No, I don't think that's it. I think it happens. If they decide Elias Anderson is going to make this team out of camp and he's going to be the quote unquote fourth line center, you want to put actual people with him on the fourth line. You're not going to put Cody McLeod with him. You might put Matt Bolesky with him if Bolesky plays well enough. But yeah, why not? Put a talented young 23-year-old winger on Anderson's side and Jesper Foss on the other side. I think Meskin and Lindquist absolutely can make this team out of camp. A hard I've been me, saying that since the jump.
0: Hard for me to disagree with you because that's what I would want to happen. Mostly because, hey, it's a rebuilding year for us. I want to play the kids. I want to get everyone out there to see what they could do at the NHL level. But I've watched Rangers before, and I know for a fact Cody McLeod will be manning that fourth line with Lee Anderson. I don't.
1: Jeff Jeff Gordon's the guy that just came out in the Brooks article and said we're going to play if a young kid earns his spot, we're going to play him.
0: I saw that, but I just don't know. It's it's like should I believe him? I've yeah, been you fooled. Should. I've been fooled before. You've you've been fooled by Elaine Vigneault. You've not been. I don't know if you've been. Elaine Vigneault by wasn't Gordon. the GM. So no, but Elaine Vigneault gets final say on nightly roster decisions. Absolutely ridiculous that he got that. Um, all right, another, we have so much time to talk about this. <laughs> the, uh, so a trade happened at 1 a.m. We're all sleeping.
1: Yeah, nuts. Well, you were sleeping.
0: Well, you woke up at 2, don't lie.
1: Uh, I woke up at 3.30 today. I woke up really late. Oh, that's late. Wow. I was, I was supposed oh. to be at a work at 3.30 and it was 3.33. I rolled over like, it might be a little Ooh, late today. Yikes,
0: yikes, big yikes. Uh, Max ruddy Patch is a Canadian great is uh, Captain did may, may or may not have requested a trade out of town uh and he got his wish and got to go to the Las Vegas Knights the Stanley so, Cup finalists
1: so that's that's the that's the first part of this right the first part of this was the the report that I've seen from the jump has always been when Max Pacioretty found out that the Canadians wanted to trade him he asked the Canadians to just be quick about it because he didn't want the rumors lingering around longer than they should. It, it wasn't a case of there weren't rumors, and then Pacioretty went to the front office and said, I want out of here, and that's when they started making phone calls. It sure sounded like Pacioretty knew he was being shocked and then went to management and said, look, I know the reports are out there. If they're true, can you just be quick about it? I have a family to think about. That's my understanding from the get-go on Max Pacioretty I don't think it was a he went to the front office angry as the captain and said I've had it with this organization you're not going to extend me I want out of here I think Max Pacioretty absolutely would have stayed in Montreal if they offered him a fair extension but they never did
0: yeah it seems like they're trying to go full rebuild also just the writing on the wall at this point
1: yeah are they though that's the weird thing I, I don't about know what, the about the don't know what they, they're trying to do. They're
0: like, I, they make all these very questionable decisions. And if I was a Habs fan, I would be pretty livid right now. I mean, yeah,
1: if my team was going full rebuild, why did I trade Alex Galchenyuk?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm sitting there like, well, and I also traded, you know, the face of my franchise now once, now twice in three years. Well, yep. I'm not, I, other than our goalie, you, you would still say Price is the face of the franchise, correct?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I would
0: but Patrick's still probably second fiddle there. He's uh, their
1: captain, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. So
1: <laughs> they, they traded their captain. And that's the other thing. The whole we've talked endless. I think the most popular non ranger topic we've brought up on this podcast is the Subban for Weber trade. Or Mike Trout. Yep. That's the thing. If you're going full rebuild, what do you do with the 33 year old defenseman who has like seven years left on his contract? Who's making north of seven million dollars annual? Ready for that
0: buyout in three years, buddies? You have to, but even then, you're, you're going to pay him for the next ten years. Yeah, that's it's like going to a two It's pretty much like if Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi did the Dragon Ball Z fusion dance, and then you had to buy them out. That's exactly what that is. It's
1: it's insane that the if the Canadian the Canadians can't go full rebuild because they're too invested in Carey Price and Shea Weber. At the same time, Shea, both neither of them. Or as good as they used to be. Now, I went on a very big, if I'm the Philadelphia Flyers, I yes, try and find I, a way to trade for Kerry Price. I saw
0: that, and I'm not sure the Flyers will do it. Frankly, no, I don't, I don't frankly so because I, it. I think the contract is just too hefty for them.
1: Before we go down that road, let, let's let's finish on Patch Ready, right? Sure. Bonafide top-line winger. Just flat-out special when it comes to scoring opportunities for your team. Last year, his goal total was down. It was 17 but if you look at Sean Tierney, friend of the podcast, if you look at his expected goals scored, Pat Shreddy was eight under what he should have scored last year. And if you add those eight goals up, you get back obviously back to twenty-five goals on the season. Still a down year for Pat Shreddy, all things considered. But he only played sixty-four games. The Canadians were an absolute mess last year. They didn't have they didn't have anything resembling. A true center to play off Patchetti's skills.
0: Well, he's going to have it, a totally different, more positive winning culture, and that sounds this sounds ridiculous to say, and I hate it. A well, winning culture in Vegas.
1: Well, yeah, he's going to play with either Paul Stastny or William Carlson. Oh, those is, are those are two very talented oh, centers. Is that, that good? Should get Patchetti right back to the top <laughs> of his game. Yeah, and then Patchetti signs the extension immediately after four additional years at seven million per a phenomenal deal. I don't know how they got Patchetti to accept only four years. That's the thing that stumps me. The, that that I, term is perfect.
0: I thought five years would have been the that that would have been my we're not talking any longer if we're not talking five years kind of kind of part of that. But to get four, yeah. that's a that's like a perfect situation for them. You said perfect, he's thirty four when it's over. Yeah. Man. So if
1: you're the, if you're the knights, what you really want from Max Pacioretty is three to four years of this Max Pacioretty top line winger will score goals in bunches, will play well with your centers. And you just signed Paul Stasny to a four-year deal as well. So you basically have Stasny for as long as you have Patri. And then as a compromise, you give him an extra year just because that's the going rate for top line wingers these days. And still it only comes the he'll be a golden knight for five total years. An insanely good contract. And that term is completely manageable. And- I think James Neal got north of six million from the Flames this offseason. I'd 100 percent rather have Max Pacioretty, who's two years younger and just flat out better than James Neal. I don't think think that's that's, a conversation. That's probably not even a
0: a conversation. Uh, And now this gives them a window of four years to go for the cup every single year. This is what teams strive for, those windows. The Rangers had their window. It was 2013, 2016. 2012. You could make a case. Sure. Um, yeah, the window closed and now a couple other teams windows are open and this is their window they've seen it already they did their first year they got to the finals unbelievably I hate them so much and then uh, now they're gonna have the next four years to compete and then from there they can begin to rebuild so their their map and the also hype around the team and the, the building their fan base uh, Vegas has done a great job by doing that now I will say looking at what they gave up to actually get patch ready when you look at it as a whole is it's a tough. metric fuck ton well,
1: I, I get it, right? Like, if, if you're going to include Tomas Tatar in the trade, then you also have to talk about what the Golden Knights traded to get Tatar, which was a, their first-round pick this year, which turned into Joe Valeno. Yeah,
0: I have it here if you don't have it.
1: Uh, I got it. It's okay. this first
0: round, the first-round
1: pick this year, which was Joe Valeno. The Islanders' second-round pick next year for Tatar, which will be a top-40 draft pick, basically a late first-round pick, mm-hmm. and a third-round pick in 2021 as well. Uh, It was a lot to give up for Tatar. It was too much to give up. And then the
0: 2019 second, and then Nick Suzuki.
1: Well, that's what they gave up today to get patches. But that's like, in total. My my, my argument is, is, I've thought about this a bunch today. I think at some point in time, it would have been, yes, it's a lot that they gave up for Tomas Tatar. It was an overpay the second they made the trade. It looks worse in hindsight. At the same time, you have to give Vegas some credit for saying this didn't work. We have to move on and let's not let our past mistake prevent us from making another trade.
0: I'll give them some credit. They they sent
1: Tatar, Nick Suzuki, who was the 13th overall pick in 2017. And then they sent Columbus's second round pick, which will likely be towards the tail end of the second round. So you can, that that's a lottery ticket. It is what it is. You can't really expect to get a difference maker at that. Slot still now, you're, um, the,
0: you're the Canadians. You've gotten, yeah. You know, well, do you got they got they got, this they is got is whisper,
1: whose last name starts with a K that neither of us is going to pronounce? Nope. Uh, they probably drafted him a little bit earlier than they had to this year at number three. Now they have Nick Suzuki, who, if Ranger fans want a comparison, he some people probably have him above Leah Anderson, some people probably have Leah Anderson slightly above Suzuki. They're very comparable. So, if you wanted to Ranger-fy this deal,
0: rangerfy. If the
1: Rangers oh, wanted Max Pacioretty, they would have had to trade one of Spooner and Mesnikov, Leas Anderson, and a second round pick. And I don't think the Rangers are ever in a position to make that trade.
0: Nope. Uh, and that's exactly why you wouldn't trade for Panarin.
1: That's exactly why, because if this is so, now the market's been established, right? Pacioretty, yes, he agreed to the extension. But he was still an expiring contract when he was traded. And the Golden Knights did not have a deal in place with ready at the time. So you have to assume the worst. And if the worst is the Golden Knights were going to get one year of Max ready and that's what it was going to take Supposedly
0: the deal, though, was contingent upon him signing an extension.
1: No, I don't think that's true. The I, that, deal was that's announced a, that's and a, finalized. a
0: rumor I read, that's all. Mm-mm. No, I,
1: I mean, then the extension would have been announced alongside the trade. I don't... I think Vegas was optimistic they'd get an extension done. I don't think that deal was done until an extension was, I mean, with no with no extension on the table. There's a difference between being optimistic that you can get an extension done until so you pull the trigger and there being an extension done. Something could have happened and Pacioretty could have been like, "Nah, I'm good. I'd rather just test free agency. And then the deal is still
0: done. Yeah, that's true. I, I just feel like that was, I feel like it was part of it. I don't know why. I just... And still, even if we did something like this where we'd have to do the extension of uh, if, if when we did this trade, I'm not sure I'd be – I'm still not down for trading even if it's a no, if It it's still a doesn't now. make any sense.
1: And no. again, just think of what the equivalency of that deal is for Panarin. The Rangers would probably have to trade – you'd have to trade a player better than Tatar, which is probably Bucnevich. You'd have to trade a prospect better than Suzuki, which if we're being honest is someone like Hedl. And you'd have to trade a pick better than a late second-rounder, which in the Rangers' case is a first-rounder. If you're comfortable trading those three things, you could probably get Artemi Panarin today. But why would the Rangers ever trade Buchnevich and in a first to get Panarin, who doesn't fit their timeline right now? There's no That's difference. the other thing that I feel like people forget. It's not that we don't want Artemi Panarin on the Rangers. We want Artemi Panarin to fit the Rangers' timeline. Bringing him in this year does nothing for you. No. It doesn't – if anything – it it doesn't make the team better because there's too many other problems. Well, it
0: makes the team. team better on accident. Well, I don't think know.
1: it does. If
0: you're trading if you're trading Hedl, Oh no. I mean Yeah, it still does. It still makes it better. No, I, mean, I don't think it does. He's that quality of player. Sure. Is he playing 25 minutes a night? You gotta spread the minutes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no. Sure. Your first your first line would I'm be I'm not great. even
0: thinking about it because I'm never doing that.
1: No, your first line would be great, but outside of your first line. You've just crippled your center depth and you you, you took away you took away two roster young players from your team. Yeah. I don't know how trading Buchnevich and Heatel immediately makes the Rangers better. I think especially Hedl, when the team is this much of a mess. I feel like
0: Heatle is totally untouchable. With the exception with the exception of like Godfather offers.
1: I would trade like you trade Heatle for McDavid.
0: Uh, yeah, duh.
1: You trade you trade Heatle for Austin Matthews. Yep. You trade Hedl for... Line a? Yeah, I would.
0: Yep, I think that's another one. Considering,
1: considering age and where his talent is right now. Yep. Those are guys you trade Hedl for. Artemi Panarin, who has one year left on his contract and has seemingly made it known that he would like to play in New York. No, I'm not trading Heedle for that. I love Panarin. He's going to be a great ranger. It just doesn't make any sense to make that trade.
0: I totally agree. All right, let's go on to our first interview. We got our friend Moret from The Athletic. He's going to talk to us about the Jets, and uh, then we'll go to another interview uh, with Garrett. Uh, I'm not sure where Garrett's from, Greg.
1: Uh, Pensburg. Uh,
0: Pensburg. We're we're going to do our Pittsburgh Penguin Metro preview. All right, let's go over there. Transition. We're back with our first guest of the day. Nicest person ever to be on this podcast. Moretta Tesh of The Athletic. Moretta, what's up, man? Hey, I think
2: that that's a very nice title to give me, but uh, like we were talking about before, I'm not sure if I can really claim it. Uh, I will take it, though, which might defeat the whole purpose of being nice, maybe well, not
0: as humble. Doesn't matter. We're giving it to you. That, that's the the break yeah. breakaway. Doesn't matter. You're going to take it. All right. That sounded bad. Anyway, let's get to what 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 actually we're here to talk about, which is a sort of uh, the Jets and what they've done over the past couple of weeks, and that is extend Blake Wheeler uh first off, and maybe some rumors for Jacob Truba, I'm not sure. That's or, or maybe it's just Greg making them up. I can't tell anymore. What- I
1: definitely I 100% made them up. I I tried to say Jacob Truba and trade enough to just will it into existence.
2: One of those things you just say several times and then wake up one day and it's true. That's what it's
1: like it's like Beetlejuice. If I say it 3 times, it's absolutely <laughs> going to happen. We're just hoping uh, for that. Let's start with Wheeler. Before- though. Oh, go on. Greg. Yeah. Marat, before we dive into Truba talk, let, let's talk the Wheeler extension because he's a he's clearly one of the best wingers right now in the league. I don't think anyone will argue that it's hard to say otherwise when a guy puts up 90 points in a season. But he is 32. That is a long term contract. And he's making north of eight million dollars a year. How is it being received in Winnipeg?
2: <laughs> it's interesting and my my take watching the the various reactions on uh well in our comment sections at the Athletic or on Twitter, uh, listening to the radio shows as well is that uh folks are quite divided about the Blake Wheeler signing. Um a lot of people love him and I think just like you said he's uh, he's quite uh he's, he's known as as a driver of play as an offensive star right now, but that qualifier right now is what's dividing people. And he's going to be 33 when the extension begins, getting paid $8.25 million per season um, or at, at AAV. And his final season of that deal, he's going to be 37. Um, and we know from all the aging curves that we look at that players generally drop off. If you look at the population of players, uh, they start declining in their late 20s. Uh, the, the stars maintain for a little bit longer, but usually by the mid-30s, players are falling off a cliff. That's whether you look at war, points, whatever metrics you're using, Uh, It's a pretty risky long-term proposition to keep a guy who you know the Jets absolutely love as a person and as a player here and now.
1: Was part of the extension still the – I don't even know if it's a myth at this point. Is it hard for Winnipeg to bring in free agents so it's even more important for them to lock up their own talent for maybe longer than they would like?
2: Um. Blake Wheeler himself and then Kevin off in conversation on the day of the signing, both sort of had opportunities to speak to that. Uh, Blake Wheeler said to the effect that he believed that it sends a signal to the rest of the league that, uh, you know, Winnipeg will do whatever it takes to win. And, and then he felt that that was important, especially he sees himself as a day one guy coming up from Atlanta to Winnipeg, being one of the few day one guys, along with Brian Little and Dustin Bufflin that that are left at this stage. Um, Kevin Sheveldale actually bristled at the question, which almost makes me wonder if that makes it a, a, a little something he deals with on a quite a regular basis. It was certainly not his favorite question to, to answer. Uh, and he, he essentially said that it was something that we reporters and writers use to fill our notebooks with. Uh, but I, I have to be honest, I, I can't imagine that Winnipeg is as glamorous of a location Um, as a place like New York or LA or all these other sorts of places. And um, not every player is 100% all in about winning, which is, uh, you know, what we all wish that they would be sometimes, you know, if if you let the fan side of you come out. Um, And I think that realistically, maybe not for everybody, maybe not for Blake Wheeler, but there have to be at least some non-zero amount of NHL players who, uh, who
0: wouldn't look at this as a glamorous spot. And I think that that's a realistic thing to acknowledge. Are you trying to say, now I've never been to Winnipeg, but it's you know it's, you said it's comparable to New York, so that seems nice. You live there, right?
2: <laughs> Did, was, was that a typo? Did I say it was co- – no, that was a uh, – I've never been to New York. I cannot speak to New York City. Um, I played hockey in Buffalo very briefly one time, uh, and I prefer Winnipeg to it, let me
1: tell you that much. Brent, I, have um, I think, I, I have, I think I, I, people I, in New York prefer Winnipeg to Buffalo too. I have so a I quick
0: question, Brad. Are you a fan of the New York Jets team?
2: Um, can't say that I am.
0: Oh, that's good because Sam Darnold on his first pass just threw a pick six, inter- six interception. So I'm glad that you're not. <laughs> uh, yeah, nope, my heart's not hurt. Yep, good. All right, just making sure. Just had to check. I,
1: I'm, I'm happy that we've reversed roles and now it's everybody knows what Ryan's doing when we're recording the podcast because I'm, I'm all focused. I got the notification
0: uh, and I was like, yes.
1: <laughs> uh, to get, Murat, to get back to the the Jets of Winnipeg. Yes. Uh, my right immediate now. thought and this is what kind of got me thinking Jacob Truba is if the Jets are in a position where they're dealing with long-term extensions and they've they've done some fantastic work, right? They they Shifley is locked up um Wheeler's now locked up Line A looks like he's about to be locked up either next offseason or even later this year. Uh Morrissey still needs a contract coming his way. The the Jets have done a lot of work to get the pieces they want to build around signed to long-term deals, which makes it even more curious that they haven't done it with Jacob Truba.
2: Yeah, I'd say that that's a fair read. Um, The fact that we're looking at a one-year arbitration deal that was signed, uh, which brings him to within one year of unrestricted free agency, so he'll have have one more chance next summer to, to sort of fix everything that ails them. Um there's certainly, you know, a bit of trepidation in Jets land. And, you know, if you're reading by actions, uh, as much as people can say all of the right things and, and both general manager, agent, player, everybody involved has said, has said all of the right things since Truba's holdout. But if you look at a holdout, a two year deal, a one year arbitration deal, something is missing between these two parties, whether it's uh, whether it's the city, whether it's the dollars, whether it's the term, whatever it is. Uh, and I think it's completely realistic to look at paths forward in Winnipeg without Jacob Truba, as much as he would settle so many things on the right side for them long-term
1: if he stayed. And it's not just the – we. I remember when we first started this podcast talking about the Jacob Truba holdout, and if the Jets were eventually going to trade him. That was one of our first-ever talking points on here. But is it too much for me to be reading into the fact that Truba asked for seven and the Jets only offered four at arbitration this year was was I nuts uh. for thinking that evaluation <laughs> of your own talent seemed in a word insulting misguided? I think when it comes to arbitration,
2: you get situations and scenarios like that. Um, I you know I w- wouldn't speak for uh, Jacob Truba but like if, if, if I were in his shoes, I would certainly look at that number as as not a fair representation of my worth. Uh, And so the, the emotional side of those things, you know, if it were, if it it was perceived as an insult, like I wouldn't be entirely too shocked that said arbitration is that sort of ugly game that it is. And it's what brought them to five and a half million on the one year deal, which I think is actually quite well within the range of what I would have expected from a one year deal on that to me. Personally, uh, without any emotional stakes vested in the game, I can look at that as posturing by both parties that led them to a deal that seems halfway reasonable. Um, I think because it's just a one year deal in the short term, Winnipeg is actually getting a value contract out of it. I think Truba is worth more than 5.5 mil. But because it was just one year and there's no long term security granted, uh, Truba needed to take a little bit of a haircut on that as well. Um, so, also to say to answer your question, I mean, they could be upset by all means, uh, but for me, from where I sit, I, I think that's just part of the, the like, angry game that is arbitration.
1: Gotcha. One thing Ryan and I have talked about already on the podcast before you joined here, we were talking about the Max Pacioretty trade and how if you're a team with a clear window, you kind of have to push your chips in more than you would be comfortable to do. And that, to me, really fits the Jets narrative in a different way, where – We live in this post-John Tavares world now, where it feels like if nobody can get their star free agent signed to a long-term deal, everybody thinks they should trade them. And if if you're a team like the Islanders, you absolutely should, because you're still a couple years away from competing. There's no point in losing your star for nothing. Go get yourself players and picks that you can build a new future with. But if you're a team like the Winnipeg Jets, and I think it's pretty pretty clear that this is a very – clear win-now window that they find themselves in with these long-term deals. It seems like you have the old guard and the new guard perfectly meshing at the same time. Doesn't it benefit the Jets to just run out the clock on Truba and if he becomes a UFA, he becomes a UFA? I don't think it helps the Jets in this two-year window to say, well, Truba's not going to be a Jet after this after next season. Let's trade him now. Wouldn't you want to put out your best roster these next two years and then deal with the free agency question mark when it happens?
2: Hey, I have a lot of time for that line of thought. Absolutely, I do, because of exactly what you've said, the overlap of the the sort of old guard and new guard. Um, You know, Blake Wheeler might represent a contract risk in a few years, but this year he's uh, coming off the best season of of his life, uh, if you can count the power play as well, and a very good season at even strength as well. Um, and you have the Lineys and Ehlers and Connors and Roslevics and Scheich. It goes on down the list. There is a perfect confluence of, of of young and old talent for Winnipeg right now. And given that the management is conservative enough to go with keeping Brian Little around and, and investing long-term in Blake Wheeler as well, it, it seems to me that win now is exactly the mode. And if that's what you're thinking, then you've got to have a couple ideas in your mind. And it's got to be, what can I get for Jacob Truba today? what can I get for him after the season uh, as well as uh, maybe perhaps even next season's trade deadline or, and and you, you sort of want to run your or plot a curve of sort of the diminishing returns that you'll get from Truba the closer he gets to his unrestricted free agency. Um, I'm almost certain that if you started to look at that, that it would absolutely be in the Jets best interest to play him out at the very least this season. Um, I I see some trade proposals go around from time to time about the trade deadline, et cetera, et cetera. He is a number one right side defense uh, with tremendous offensive and defensive skills at even strength. Uh, And they're paying only 5.5 million for him this season. That's a value deal for an excellent player. And if the jets are serious about winning, I think that the, their best play is to absolutely keep him this season. Um, I don't have perfect knowledge over, how realistic it is that, uh, that they figure out what, what's ailing them and, and, and extend him longer than just one year next year. Uh, but if they know in their, with the knowledge they have that he's, he's on his way out, then to me it's next summer that you can at least start to entertain it. Um, but with that sort of patience and ruthlessness that, uh, that, um, that you'd want from your general manager, I guess, And what I mean by that is there'd be no pressure. There'd be no forcing them. If they couldn't get a deal that was exactly what they wanted, there'd be no point to making it because Jacob Truba could, in theory, be part of a Stanley
1: Cup winning team. He's a very good hockey player at a very good price. Yeah, that's kind of where my mindset is, right? I don't know of a trade scenario where the Jets would be giving up Jacob Truba and it would be making the team immediately, not even better, but just as good, right? So if this team is built to try and win a cup in one of these next two seasons specifically before they have to start worrying about Wheeler being over the age of 35. You mentioned Little. There are other guys that are simply just getting older. And then you also have to talk about Line A extensions, Roslovic extensions, the Morrissey extension. Other guys have to get paid. So I, what, what benefit really would it have the Jets, a team that clearly is going on or trying to go on a cup run to trade a guy who they can't replace. And it would be unfair to try to replace. Especially
2: with Tyler Myers as an unrestricted free agent as well, um, coming up this season when when is a restricted free agent. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty on the right side, and Myers ideally suited for that third pairing, and he's got the offense to help on the power play as well. But if you push him up the lineup and extend him and you've got Truba gone, that's not a, a strength for the Jets anymore. It's just a group of guys uh, relative to what they have now. Uh, Tucker Poolman, who I'm optimistic about on the right side as well. Not a sure thing. There's, there's a clear strength for the Jets on that side right now. Um, the only reason I can think of to start, uh, if you're Winnipeg, to start considering shipping Truba out is that a year from now, that cap crunch will get even tighter. Um, the Winnipeg Jets, as of today, have $52.5 million committed to the 2019-2020 salary cap. Um, and if you start projecting out uh, a 10 million deal for Patrick Line, which I, I think is in the range, but could be above or below that, a six million deal for uh, for Kyle Connor, something in the fives for Josh Morrissey. All in all, down the line, suddenly you find that if you keep Truba, you're six million dollars over um over what would be an 80 million dollar salary cap. That's where things get tricky. That's where the extensions, the long term, to guys like Little. Wheeler to a lesser degree, I hold him at a higher level as a, as a hockey player, but that's where some of the stuff's going to hit the fan, so to speak. even with all of that said, Truba's one of the guys that's going to be worth the money that he's getting and he's probably not the place to trim from
1: right
0: who I would, just who would be the oh, place to trim part. from though like who would be the guy you'd sacrifice to keep Truba on your team? Um, well,
2: first and foremost in this uh, in this example it would be. Tyler Myers on the right side, just like I said, he's a luxury at the third pairing level. Um, Dmitri Kulikov is an expensive uh, left-handed defenseman who's not providing the the four plus million dollars that that he's getting paid. Um, a lot of people then turn to folks like Matthew Perot, who's just over four million dollars on a contract. He's still at this point a possession boost to everyone he plays with and has a role on a winning team. So that one would hurt for sure. Um Brian Little, because he never quite hit that elite ceiling that, uh, that I think that Wheeler is a little bit closer to, probably represents a bigger risk on falling off a cliff offensively. So that might be somebody. But then you're getting into no movement territory as well. Um, and it becomes quite the challenge. If you do pay the young guys what they're worth, uh, somebody who would be precious to Jets fans of, of just about any stripe would become
1: vulnerable and exposed through this. Is it even worth asking you what you think – a reasonable Jacob Truba trade next summer would look like for the Winnipeg Jets? Well, I'm, I'm
2: terrible at speculating on these kinds of deals. So I think it's a reasonable and great question, but uh, um, off the cuff. I don't know. I just keep going back in my mind to how rare it is for a player that's, or for a team that's trading a player of that, that skill level to get somebody back. The, the days of the one for ones of equal value, I, I don't really see that so often and the closest thing we came was that Subban for Weber deal even though I was a much bigger fan of it from Nashville's perspective than Montreal I think uh, it's the closest thing to teams thinking they were trading you know a one for one of equal value Uh, I know right now Darnell Nurse out in Edmonton's having a lot of trouble uh, according to Bob McKenzie that uh, they're having a lot of trouble coming to an extension with him Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how you rate Darnell Nurse but at least he's a capable left-side defenseman with some upside. I don't think he's in Jacob Trouba's tier. And then you guys start off to, to build picks and packages and all sorts of things like that. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think Winnipeg can win a Jacob Trouba deal. I think it's just a matter of losing it the least badly.
1: Yeah, and that if, if if your goal going into a trade is just to not get embarrassed, I'm still of the opinion, especially if you're a team contending for a cup, and I I've, I've felt this way if on the Blue Jackets with Panarin as well. If I legitimately think my team has a chance to compete for a cup this year and there is no player I can get back that will at least keep my team at that same level in a trade, just run the clock out. Like, yes, it's it sucks losing players for nothing on the free agent market. And you almost wish that the NHL kind of had a compensation package like MLB does when a player hits the open market and they put a qualifying offer on them. But that's just not how the NHL works. I just – I, I don't see a scenario where the Jets have clearly made moves where they want to win a cup in the next two years. And I don't see how they can still say that without Jacob Truba on the roster. So just run the clock out. And if he leaves, he leaves. I, sometimes it's, this is, a, it's a kid that's hold, held out for half a season already. He has not agreed to a long-term extension with them on occasions where he could have. It seems like he wants to leave, at least from an outsider's perspective, but at the same time, he's still your best option to try and win a cup. So necessary evil might be him just leaving, but if it helps you get a cup, I think it's worth it. Yeah. I,
2: my instincts are 100% in line with that, but let's go from another angle here and, and, and it kind of gets a little bit mathy, even though I'm making this up a little bit as I go in the NHL, um, the percentage return, like the, the increased percentage chance of winning the Stanley cup from this one player, is quite modest and i was looking at somebody uh i wish i could remember the name it could have been uh matt kane on uh on twitter was was showing a research study that showed even the best probability model or the best predictor of who will win an nhl game is in the 60s percentage wise it's not 70 it's not 80 and over a what i'm what i'm invoking by saying this is that over the course of the stanley cup playoff series and you have to win four of them and you have to be healthy the increase in your odds by this one player may be real, but there's still so much coin flipping going on uh, between day one, round one of the Stanley Cup finals and making it all the way to the end. I think Winnipeg knows it quite well. They outplayed Vegas but lost because Flurry outplayed Hellebuck and got the bounces. Um, it's quite a risk. Uh, the, the You can't safely say that you're going to win because you went all in or that you're even a whole lot more likely to. So if you want to think about the long term sustainability of your franchise and saving money and all these sorts of things that sort of like are ancillary towards winning the cup in any given year, there might be an argument to say, OK, get the best that you can for him, move on, cut ties, uh, because your increased odds of winning the cup are like half a percent for keeping them. To me, it's all about winning. And I have the luxury of saying that from behind my laptop. And, and, and for that same reason, I would say that Truba is their best bet to keep. But I just want to put that out there. It's not a guarantee. It doesn't even boost their window mathematically by so, so, so much uh, that it protects
1: them against his loss. I can't remember the last time a game-changing defenseman at the age of 26 would hit unrestricted free agency like Jacob Truba will. And I'm very excited for Panarin and Jacob Trouba to be Rangers. Yeah, I gotta be honest season. with
0: you. I'm super thrilled about that. <laughs> uh, I know we're rebuilding, but the rebuild officially ends when Trouba's a Ranger. And th- thank you so much for letting us know so much about him.
2: <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Got a little, uh, got a little off the beaten track with the with the attempted math at that last bit, but always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Uh, oh no, it's
0: always, always. All right, we'll have you on. I'm sure uh, at least a dozen more times this season because you're a resident nice guy. So I really appreciate the that about you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you. Why don't you plug your stuff before you get out of here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. My name is Murat Atesh. You can find me on Twitter at WPGMURAT. Um, that's my handle. I, it stands for Winnipeg Murat, WPGMURAT. I claim to be the only one, and I probably am, and I cover the Jets full-time for The Athletic.
0: Awesome, man. All right, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Cheers. Good night. Frizzers. We're back with our second guest of the day. We're doing a Pittsburgh Penguin Metro's pre- Metro Preview. You may have heard of them. They're pretty good. They've won some championships. Uh, we have Garrett Bahana here from Pittsburgh to talk with us about the Penguins. Garrett, say hello.
3: Hello to every New York Ranger fan that's probably listening and probably doesn't want anything to do with any opinion whatsoever on the Pittsburgh Penguins.
0: No, you've got to know your enemy, Garrett. It's really important to really get dive deep and be like, who, <laughs> how badly are the Penguins going to beat the shit out of me this year? And the answer is probably yeah, yeah. very badly. Um, I want to no, s- uh, Go ahead, Garrett.
3: Go ahead. No, I'm letting oh, you go. I was just going to say, you know what? As, as, long as, you, as long as you guys have Henrik Lundqvist, you guys have somewhat of a decent chance to try and steal something from the Penguins.
0: Well, we've we've uh we've stolen one thing before, which was uh that three one comeback, which was super nice. But other than that, you've shit housed yeah. us. So...
3: <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, the, 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 I think it was the year after we got retribution on you on the, in twenty sixteen. I think it was to to go win the Stanley Cup. So the retribution was nice. Uh, having Carl Haglin on our team. In 2016, and ever since then, Carl Hacklin's a, a pretty nice addition. I'm sure uh, uh, Rangers yeah, fans are yeah, really not right. happy
0: about uh, that. We traded him yeah, to the West Coast for a reason, Garrett. Yeah,
1: that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, enough, that's enough about Hags. We're not talking about him anymore on this podcast because that, <laughs> that shit's personal. I, you're not bringing up Broussard either. That shit's still tender, too.
3: Oh, that's right. I to, I, you brought up Broussard, and I totally forgot. Yeah, he was part of the Rangers, too. Oh, he man. sure was. It's great. It's great. It's great having all these former Rangers <laughs> on, our, on our side now.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> well it's so weird uh, because former teams with former Rangers seem to be really good. The Penguins, Tampa Bay yeah. Lightning. Huh, that's so strange. All right, uh, <laughs> go ahead, Greg. Let's yeah, let's let's talk
1: about something shitty for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's talk about that Jack Johnson contract because I'm dying to. Uh, give me your best. This actually isn't that bad rationale for that Jack Johnson contract.
3: I think the hope is that Jim Rutherford signed Jack Johnson as uh, a solid bottom pairing depth piece. That you know, if if you're trying to use uh, if you're trying to use logic, I don't think he can't possibly. You can't possibly have a 31 year old sign a five year contract for three and a half million dollars to play. Uh, a bottom pairing role, and think that he'll be here for the entire five-year duration of that contract. I think best-case scenario for the Penguins uh, is to see, to try and estimate where this championship window is with both Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, Latang. You know, the, the core of guys that they have here. Uh, I, I think the best uh, choice of action is to try and estimate that that window they have. And you know whether it's two or three more years of that window being really open. I think that's the risk that Jim Rutherford was taking, trying to sign Johnson. Well, I'm going to bring in this reliable, this reliable, uh, you know, two-way defenseman to try and you know bolster the bottom pairing. And, and you know, you started you started off right there. Uh, Jack Johnson comes with a lot of detractors, and you know, he's only been on this roster since July 1st, and ever since then, he's been as polarizing as ever. But yeah, you know, going back to the question, I, I think if he can come here for the next two or three years and provide a decent, uh, a decent depth presence in, in that bottom pairing, I think it would be considered a win for both for both Jim Rutherford and the Penguins.
0: I it's like when something it. when you start a response with the hope is that always makes me feel <laughs> yeah. good.
3: Yeah, it's it, it. Trust me, it makes everyone else in Pittsburgh feel good too. The hope is that Jack Johnson doesn't come here and just just
1: suck <laughs> well you yeah, guys haven't I had mean, a bad that,
3: signing in a while here,
1: so here, here's the other thing about the penguins we're really trying to find things that are shitty for you and it's hard to do so jack jack johnson is yeah. kind of yeah. the thing that's shitty the other thing i really want to touch on phil kessel is, phil Castle. Phil yeah, why were we hearing
3: phil kessel rumors this offseason what the hell what's going on so you know, when, after the Stanley Cup ends, well, the Penguins got eliminated in early May by the eventual winners. You know, the rest is history. The Capitals win the Cup. So, you know, everyone in Pittsburgh is, is expecting the Penguins to go into round three or go back to the Cup and have a 3 But, you know, the Penguins get that early boot in the, in the second round. And so I think the, 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 the best answer is, well, the radio host and all the media personalities here, you know, I'm sure, just like in New York, it's it's incredibly hostile in New York. They have, all these media personality, personalities have to find something to talk about now that the Penguins aren't playing meaningful hockey. So, in, in my opinion, I, I think all these Phil Kessel rumors started because you know, oh, we have to find something to fill airtime here. The Penguins aren't playing hockey anymore, so well, let's maybe let's let's start something about the Penguins' best player from last year, the person who put up 92 points, obviously a career best season for Phil Kessel. We have to find something to, to something to talk about and get through the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I think that's where that came from. I think, you know, you look at the roster now, Those these Phil Kessel rumors have died down quite a bit. And, I, you know, we fully expect him to be there ready to go fresh for opening night and hopefully you know it, it might be a little bit of a stretch to say he's going to repeat his 92-point performance from last year <sighs> but you, you know when you, when you have a shot like that you know you expect him to put it in the back of the net at least 25 to 30 times
1: well we just we just had we were just talking with uh murata tesh from the athletic about the winnipeg jets and how it would be difficult for them to trade jacob truba and be able to get someone back to replicate his performances the same could be said about Kessel. I just, a team like the Penguins, who are clearly still in their win-now mode and will be until Crosby has a significant drop-off or Malkin has a significant drop-off. I just, I don't know with the roster that the Penguins have assembled, how it would make sense to trade Kessel and still be considered contenders.
3: It, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it, you you mentioned some, some good points there. The, the Penguins are obviously still in this win-now mode. And uh, until the day, unfortunately, comes that where either Crosby or Malkin are declining to a very visible point where they're not going to produce you know, as much as they did in their prime, until that day comes, there is absolutely no need to tear down any, any facet of, of this core of players that they have with Crosby, Malkin, Letang, Kessel. You know, there, there's just no reason to do it. The, the more star power you have, especially in the Eastern Conference, the, the east is just getting more and more competitive by the minute so the penguins i think are going to have to have all the firepower they can to get through the east and have another chance at winning another stanley cup
0: you guys tend to do this thing where you bring up these unknown unnamed prospects well at least to me uh and i might not know them because i don't study them as, as closely who seem to work out and pan out for you is there someone i should be looking out for this year that could make the team
1: uh, before Garrett jumps in, Ryan, you should 100 be looking out for Daniel Sprung, and I'm sure that's the guy Garrett's about to mention.
3: Okay, just call your shot. You, you, you took you took the two words, you took the name right out of my mouth. It, it was it's exactly going to be Daniel Sprung. Uh, I if you if you compare the the previous two seasons in which they won the Stanley Cup, uh, I like to use the the, ter- the term the infusion of youth and that's exactly what happened uh, over the last two years for them to win these championships. Uh, you know, it, the, the depth guys that they brought up from their minor league system, guys like Brian Rust, Jake Gensel, these guys came up, and you know, like you said, they make a near-immediate impact, and t- you look at it two years later, these guys have cemented themselves in this Penguins lineup, and I think Daniel Sprong, who has had a little bit of a rocky start to his Penguins career, he was drafted in the second round in 2015, I believe. And, you know, there were, th- there were talks back then when he was drafted. Oh, this kid has a great shot. He might have a chance to start right out of the gate at 18 years old. And that didn't exactly pan out. Um, there have been a couple of rumblings that he may have a little bit of a maturity issue. You know, I don't know the guy personally, but, you know, I think, I- I think he's 21, 22 years old now. He had a full season of AHL hockey last year. Uh, so I do think Daniel Sprong is that player, uh, another right winger with a lethal shot on that right side to, to complement nicely whatever center they're playing with, whether it be Crosby, Malkin, Derek Broussard, the newly re-signed Matt Cullen. But yes, absolutely, uh, Daniel Sprong is the, the new hot young name to keep an eye on in Pittsburgh this year.
1: How much are you either the Penguins on Ice product or you personally going to miss Connor Sheary?
3: Um, My personal opinion, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a giant Connor Sheary fan, but I appreciate, you know, I appreciate his contributions to the team. Obviously he had, he had a really nice run with Sidney Crosby when they formed uh, the line. I believe it was Sherry Crosby and Jake Gensel and they called it the Sid and the Kids line. There was a little bit of a point in time where that, that trio right there was nobody in the league could stop that line. And, you know, during Connor Sherry's uh, tenure here, he was a—I wouldn't I would say a mixed bag, but he—you could slot him anywhere in the top 12, really. You could slot him anywhere, and he was going to give you pretty decent production. I don't think he was ever going to pan out and become a superstar next to Danny Malkin or Sidney Crosby, but I think he is a—he was a very reliable depth piece that, when slotted next to those guys, because I think it takes a lot to play uh, alongside a superstar, you know. Crosby and Malkin, for, for their reputation, they can be quite demanding players in terms of what they ask of their linemates. And I think if you slotted a guy like Connor Sheary there, I think he would have complimented them well. But like I said, I don't think anyone really expected him to become a top superstar in the league.
1: Uh, we've asked this question so far of everyone we've done this preview with, and I'm curious to see where you end up on it. Was there a player on the open market this offseason that you are disappointed the Penguins weren't able to get? I,
3: I looked at a, I looked at a couple of free agent tracking lists before I came on, and the thought in the back of my mind kept being, oh, my God, why did they give this ludicrous contract to Jack Johnson? And so I'm looking at the open market, and, I'm, I'm, and particularly the, the, the position that comes to mind was left wing. I'm looking at the Penguins depth chart, and you know they're pretty stacked down the right with Castle and the upcoming uh, appearances of Daniel Sprung. Uh, obviously, they're set down the middle with Crosby and Malkin and Brassard and, and Cullen. So, yeah, you know, looking at the left wing, I don't know if, if this man was on the open market, but Jeff Skinner uh, out of Carolina, who's now with the Buffalo Sabers. He was a name that was floated around in Pittsburgh for quite a while, I think during the NHL draft. Uh, he was a player that was familiar with uh, general manager, Jim Rutherford. So everyone in Pittsburgh thought, okay, well, if they're going to upgrade their left left wing depth and maybe put the guy, a guy like Jeff Skinner on Crosby's line or Malkin's line, you know, this might be a guy to go get. Uh, and, you know, July 1st comes around and they signed Jack Johnson to uh, this, this three and a half million dollar per year deal. And, all of these free agent dreams went right out the window because you're giving this crazy amount of money to a bottom pairing defenseman. But I digress. Uh, But I think that was the name that I personally kept an eye on a lot throughout the summer was Jeff Skinner. Uh, But, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. And at the same time, I feel rather confident, you know, although they didn't make a splashy move, for lack of a better term, I don't think you want to call Jack Johnson a splashy sign. But, you know, they didn't didn't go out and acquire – a John Tavares, for example, that was never going to happen.
1: Yeah, uh, Jeff's, the thought of Jeff Skinner on the Penguins makes me want to throw it
0: up. Makes, so it just you. seems unfair, uh, and I felt I felt like the Penguins have gotten unfair advantages of the past couple of years, getting Broussard, as we mentioned, Hagelin. Uh, and if, if you added Jeff Skinner to that mix, I would not be a happy camper. Let's just put it that way.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think anyone else in the Metro uh, would would have been happy campers as well.
1: Are you feeling uneasy at all that the Capitals have fixed their Penguins' bugaboo?
3: Um, that's a good question. I, I no, question. I, I don't think so. I think during the, even during the series, there were times where you know you would go on Twitter and you would see a quote. Maybe it was out of context. Maybe it wasn't. But you would see a couple of quotes from Capitals players um saying oh we have to get past the penguins if we get through the penguins you know this could be our year and for the last couple of years especially they've had to go through washington uh to get to the stanley cup and you know everyone says the penguins are living rent free in the washington capitals heads uh and you know this year obviously it it wasn't it wasn't the case but um you know for for whatever reason whether it be injuries or or just bad puck luck uh or, or just overall a better, um, uh, a better style of play that outmatched the Penguins uh, did the Capitals. I, I still don't think personally that the, the, the Capitals are going to outmatch or overplay the Penguins this year. I still think it's going to be a very competitive, heated rivalry, Crosby versus Ovechkin, but I don't think the Penguins should be nervous by the Capitals winning the Cup and maybe coming for the Penguins' throats again this year.
1: Where do you see the Penguins in the hierarchy of the Metropolitan Division this year? Obviously, I, Ryan and I, we agree. You guys are one of the top two teams. Yeah, it's your capital. Do you still consider yourselves? Do you consider yourselves the head of the class still?
3: Um. Oh, that's that's tough. Uh, um. I'm looking at the Metro, and you know, the two teams, maybe three teams that stand out are Pittsburgh, Washington, and Columbus. Obviously, uh, the, the Flyers made a little bit of a push last year in the first round series against the Penguins, and you know they, they really didn't stand a chance against the Penguins in the first round. They had really poor goaltending. I'm looking at the Metro. I don't think. I, I think the point in time where the Penguins easily take the Metro for themselves, I think that point is over. I think it's going to be a lot more uh, of a, a closer, more competitive division between the Capitals, Penguins, and Blue Jackets. Uh, I don't. I mean, all the other teams towards the lower end of the of the division, looking at the Hurricanes, the Islanders, uh, the Devils. You, you know, I don't want to say it on this podcast, but you can, you the can Rangers. Say we're not I not we're not trying to be good. You know, I, I yeah, I'm okay. I'll, I'll come out and say it. Although the pieces aren't there for the Rangers just yet, at, at least not to return to where they were a couple of years ago. So, but. Going back to answer the question, no, this, penguin, this division, the Metropolitan Division, isn't for the Penguins, and they're not just going to waltz out and take it and be done with the division by January. Not by any means. Where do you where do you see the? Give me your yeah.
0: Give me your ranking.
1: Most neutral ranking Penguins ranking right now.
3: Uh, in terms of like winning the division or an Eastern Conference. Where or, Where do you
1: think they finish regular season? What you think they can do in the playoffs? Are we still talking? Um, bang stanley cup
3: champions in your mind yes absolutely i think
0: how could you not you know, honestly
3: t- yeah yeah exactly I, this time of the year you know guys are getting back into that groove you're starting to see quotes from all these guys maybe taking optional skates oh i, I feel super refreshed and i feel ready to go i had a really nice long summer off i, I recharged the batteries and that seems to be a common theme throughout the Penguins locker room so far is that these guys are refreshed. And, you know, now that the thought of a 3 P is out of their mind, I think these guys have something more to prove. You know, the, the pressure of winning three championships in a row is tough for any sport, any team in any sport. But, you know, now that these guys have actually had a summer off, where, you know, they're not playing continuous hockey into, into late May, early to mid-June, These guys have actually had a chance to recharge their batteries and that could be a very scary thing for the Metropolitan and Eastern Conference as well as the rest of the league for that matter.
1: I really want Derek Broussard just to come into the locker room and be like, man, I am fucking tired. I I am (laughs) over this shit. I am not refreshed at all. That's what I want from Derek Broussard this year.
3: I was reading. I was reading these 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 player comments from these little interview snippets after the, they're doing after these free skates. And I actually before I came on, I actually read a little snippet from Jared Broussard, and uh, he was he he came out and said, you know, I haven't felt this refreshed in years. He, he was he apparently changed his like diet and exercise regimen. Uh, well, Broussard's to, never know, like been
0: this years. amazing uh, beacon of health. Let's put it that way.
3: Yeah, it's, yeah, he, he was he. He said he was he healed up any the uh, um, the injuries that were lingering throughout the end of the regular season and into the playoffs. So, from my, in my view, I think that that's a really positive takeaway. That you know, a guy like Broussard, who the Penguins went out at the deadline and really put all their eggs into his basket to be that you know that really crucial center on the third line. If he if he's coming out right now and saying that he's super refreshed and ready to go, I think. That, that is a super positive sign for the Penguins.
1: I think he's just happy to be the fuck out of Ottawa if we're just being honest.
3: You know, yeah, I could, uh, I, you could not pay me any amount of money for me to, for, to sign a contract and go play with the Ottawa Senators. I, I I'd rather sit at home and, and you know start a real nine to five desk job and go play for the Ottawa Senators. Well, good news, Ottawa.
0: I, if you want to yeah. pay me, I, yeah. am ready I, to I, play. I have
3: a very
1: low price point if Ottawa <laughs> wants to pay me. I will get my head ripped off by uh, whoever the fuck if it means a couple of hundred thousand dollars <laughs> in my bank account.
0: Yeah, $1 million contract <laughs> this year at Blue Shirt's Breakaway. And we'll split it. I don't even need a $1 million. $150,000? i am good. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, well, I'm negotiating for us. Uh, we'll go. We'll do a million, Lois, That's it. Um, We're bringing
1: Jalen Ramsey with us too. That's the only other kicker.
0: Oh well, of course, oh. it got six months.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, six, yeah, six months to skate and you know just outclass Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby. Yeah, I'm sure he could do it in six months. No oh, problem. Oh well,
0: I didn't. Uh, he said more like Tanner Glass. He wasn't talking about like. <laughs> he said he
1: could play in the game. It, 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 Jalen Ramsey doesn't seem like the humble type to say replacement level hockey player he could be better than. I 100% believe he thinks he could be one of the best players in the league. And I'd love to see it. I fucking love Jalen Ramsey.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, Garrett, anything else you want to hit on with your Pittsburgh Penguins before we get out of here?
3: No, I, I I I think we covered a good bit of topics. I'm excited for the Penguins. I don't think you guys... Might be you guys might not be as excited for the well, penguin season, but like I said, if they're feeling all refreshed and ready to go, get a third championship in four years, I'm ready for it. But you know, as a Rangers fan, you know, I, I just maybe I'll, I'll put my head in the sand again this season and they hope, hope for the best. Cool, so how, man, about, how about this? How about cool this? Man, Chris Kreider kicked
0: your ass last year in overtime. Okay, I was there. <laughs> kicked your fucking ass. <laughs> how about
1: how, how about this? I'll be I'll be excited for the Penguins when you throw me draft picks for Vladi Nemestikov because you're short on wings. Give me a draft pick for Nemestykov. You can take. You, I'll be just as excited as you want me to be. I
3: would. I, I honestly, I would not be surprised. Jim Rutherford loves stealing away the draft picks to see any sort of way he can bolster that roster. Uh, so you know, if Nemestykov comes to the Penguins by the deadline for a draft pick or two to New York, I, I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't be totally surprised.
0: I, I'm, okay. we would be very happy to help you.
3: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you guys. Could, I'm sure you guys probably want all the draft picks you could take at this point.
1: All of them. Every single one.
0: Every single one. All right, Garrett, <laughs> plug your stuff, and we'll get out of here.
3: Uh, yeah, you can. You can find me on Twitter at gbehanna b e h a n n a, and as uh, soon as hockey season starts up again, you can find me over at pensbrook.com. Awesome, man. We'll Garrett, talk-
1: last very oh. last thing. Do you do you know our names now? <laughs>
3: so, the one. That yeah, the one that just asked that question. Yeah, is that Greg. That is Greg. That is. Okay. Yes. Okay. And yep. then so the other one, who's so? Okay, hold on. Okay. The, oh, the pressure's on. I, I got, oh I yeah. I got the hard one. I got.
0: You got the one uh, you didn't know last uh, week. Okay. You got a one and yeah. two shot here, buddy.
3: <laughs> is it? Is it true? Is yes, it,
0: it is true. He got it. Yes. No, it's, 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 it's actually Ryan. <laughs>
3: oh no! I feel so good about myself. Man. I know,
0: and I gave it to you too. So, all right, buddy. Oh, well, we man. appreciate you being on, Garrett Vilhana. Absolutely, thank you guys. We'll, so we'll much. talk to you soon, man. Peace out. All right, thanks. Those are some fun interviews. Drew and Ryan, yeah, right. Drew, Ryan, and Greg on the scene. <laughs> I just people. First of all,
1: Drew is a saint, and Drew knows he's a saint, and Drew knows we give him all the credit in the world because. Here's a guy that came out of nowhere and basically volunteered to run our website for us, and we are forever grateful. But it, it, it is at a point now where people just assume Drew is Blue Shirts Breakaway, and I think that's a fair assumption.
0: No, and I'm going to be honest with you. Totally fair. I agree with them most of the time. Blue, Drew is a lot of Blue Shirts Breakaway. Uh all right, that was those were those were fun. We're pretty much done for the week, but I want to uh just touch on this one more quick time. If you are uh around for the Oilers game, we will be doing a meetup. I will unfortunately not be there uh, cuz I will be on the continent that is not well, it's Europe. I'll be in Europe. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: wanted to see where you would go for the, with that because Yeah, I uh, canceled.
0: I was I was trying to be tricky. I went for it. I'm just going I'll go to Europe. Greg, you will be there though.
1: I will be there. So you'll
0: get the fun guy. It is, Nobody really likes correct. you. That's correct. It's true. Fine. No, I'm just a piece of shit. Uh, so I, that... do
1: think it's, I do think it's funny that both of us, for whatever reason, on a Saturday night got angry at each other and posted really weird old Facebook pictures. <laughs> well, but okay. mine was a lot funnier the, than it's, yours. It's not so. really
0: – well, I'll explain. A good dear friend of mine, John Gallagher, an old friend of mine, was uh, quote-unquote stalking my Facebook and found one of my old emo pictures from like 2008. I, yeah. but that picture was taken earlier it was like when I put it up as like my, it, was, it was my MySpace photo and it yeah, 100% looked like one and it was put up yeah, it, exactly and then it was put up as my Facebook photo because I didn't really understand Facebook exactly so it was taken earlier uh, I don't believe I was <laughs> in, still in high school or just graduated but I'm an emo weird piece of shit during it and I'm looking to recreate it soon so you were like I'm going to post this photo at some point I don't know what I did to deserve it and I want to find out now i don't think you did
1: i think i was just bored on a train
0: you were like i have this picture that i'll post of ryan when he deserves it when he and i was like i haven't done anything dumb
1: you want to know what you want to know what happened i forgot my headphones at our friend (laughs) you were bored on the train and i was bored on the train because i couldn't (laughs) listen to any podcast i was like i think it's time
0: (laughs) so then i was like i went back to your pictures and you didn't really have anything embarrassing at all yeah,
1: because I'm smart about what I put on
0: Facebook. Okay, bro. well there was some stuff, but nothing bad. So but there was one you had a shirt and it was a girl up to something, and I was like, This makes sense. So I just put it there.
1: Um Yeah, that uh fun fun story about that photo. Yeah. That was New Year's two thousand and eight. Kid lost his virginity that night. He was definitely up to something. He was definitely up to something. Hey,
0: Greg, congratulations. Yeah.
1: Thank you, thank That's you. I uh, haven't out. had it since, but yep. it was fun. It's
0: been a tough ride since then, a good ten years. But yeah, I, I you know, I'm proud of you, buddy. All right, so let's uh let's get out of here. If you want to go to the meetup uh, on Reddit, there's a sticky thread for it. It is the regular season uh, uh oiler game. I believe it is October 11th, 13th. 13th yes, 13th. 13th. And it's hosted by our good friend Dan. Sorry that I can't make it, everyone. It was the only time I could fit in my first of two Euro trips. I know. You feel so sad for me. All right. Uh,
1: Again, it's, it's actually a positive you're not going to be there because now they can get me in my fullest.
0: Yes. Uh, wait, hold on. Like I hold you back?
1: Uh, yeah, but now I can talk shit about you. You, okay. Actually, these uh, are all things we do with all, you around anyway.
0: Yep. These are exactly what happens when I'm there. I promise. Look, <laughs> I, know I,
1: am, I am what I am, man. I am just I'm, – I'm set one way.
0: Yeah, you have one drive, and that's asshole. All right, let's get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bye, guys. Follow us on Twitter, Bush Respect. Bye. Love you. Bye.